Welcome to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get peace of mind with Club Marine Boat Insurance. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures as we chat fishing, boating and the great outdoors. All thanks to our good friends at Club Marine. One of the most reputable, well-known, expert anglers. Aaron, have good. Ooh. Morning, Redmond. Well, you're going to introduce Paul Worsling then, our great friend of the show. I'll, I'll take that. I tell you, isn't good he intrigued. having a terrible Christmas period? I know. Paul, what is going on? He's, uh, have you seen the GTs that he a, was teasing up on a... On a GT? Hey, on, on, <laughs> on poppers, like, yeah. what? He's had a great trip, Paul Worsley, in the Cook Islands. The Cook Islands. He's about a day behind, because he kept posting stuff of Happy New Year's and that, and I'm like, why are you posting a day later? And then I clicked. Day behind. So, <laughs> pretty simple but effective there, Pat. Uh, speaking of... How's your week, uh, man? A good week? We can go into the week. Yeah, I actually had a really good week. A little bit cruisy at the start of the week, which was nice. I needed that, because it's been pretty full on. We had a dive on Sunday last week. Got some no, no, it's been cranes. full on because you've got family, sort of, like everyone this time of the year, catching up with family and all that sort of stuff. If you ever find yourself, this is me during the week, and I've got the, hear that? I've got the catalogue in front of me. <laughs> I found myself like, geez, I'm not ready to get home yet. Like, so I'm just not. So usually that's when you call me and say, where are we meeting? <laughs> no. So I'm like, oh, this is super cheap auto. Yep, I'm a pop in the super cheap. See if I need something that I don't. Or, think. And I will not lie to you, anyone listening right now. He's literally pulled a catalogue out from underneath yep. his ass because I, I got it. <laughs> this is the catalogue that I got while I was in super. I got cheap. no idea where this is going, so please continue. Well, I started walking the aisles as you do when you don't have anywhere to be, but you're not ready to be home just yet. Kids, wife, <laughs> family, it all works. Mum and dad are over. I think everyone relates to that. Anyway. And I find myself like, you know, how you, you're talking to yourself as you're walking the aisles and you're like, yeah, I really need that. You know, I need that all-purpose generic toolkit that's on sale, big one, Yep. Um, for the back of the car in case something happens. Not sure. <laughs> Not sure it's going to happen. Can't use half the stuff that's in the toolkit, but I bought it, 160 on sale, 40% off. Um and now it sits in the back of my car. So if something does happen that's <laughs> bad, I can go to my back of my car and be like, yeah, I've got a toolkit. So if anyone sees a toolkit advertised in 12 months, I promise you it'll be brand new. It'll be for $130 and you'll get yourself nah, a good save. It'll sit there forever. It may not ever be used, but if, if something happens, I've got the stuff to, you know, there's a hammer in there, there's a this comes back, tape measure. This comes back to the RAM boxes that I was going to get. <laughs> It does come back to the RAM boxes, doesn't it? I'm never going to use them with my tools, Pat. But how often you just wa- like you wander the halls of Bunnings, super mm-hmm. cheap, Repco, and it's Aldi. Like, I don't need a middle aisle. <laughs> I don't need it, this, but I like it. It's on sale. It's basically, you know, I'm making money buying this because what, of the value. What are your thoughts on super cheap? Oh, man, I, I haven't been in there enough. I bought myself, like I said, this all-purpose toolkit. I bought some Max tracks because they were... <laughs> 200 bucks. All purpose with no purpose. Well, I'm, I might use them one day. We actually did need a shifter for your tow ball the other day. We swapped the tow ball around. The, we actually, because you're on your car with your boat, it was sitting too low the way it was, or just the, the what would you call it, the L shape of the tow ball. Toe so bar. we flipped it around and raised it a few inches and made a fair bit of a difference. So you know what would have happened next time? We would have been able to use your shifter. No, nah, the shifter isn't big enough. <laughs> I, was just, I was just about to say, <laughs> because we, we had to ring a mate to come down with a bigger shifter. <laughs> it's, Thanks, Chucky. It's, it's uh, still not big enough. Yes. So, yeah, I found myself wandering the halls, because we were back to training this week. 
the uh, pre-season for AFL clubs starts back up. I found myself just wandering the halls of Super Cheap. Enjoyable. Bit of bit of pack time. <laughs> it's Super Cheap Auto. <laughs> bit of pack time. <laughs> well done. You know what has been happening a lot around our beaches, and we spoke a little bit about it last week, was rescues and whatnot going along with rips and etc. Yeah. The amount of people that are being saved off the... Now, it might settle down a bit because a lot of people like yourself have gone back to work as of the 9th last week, but... The amount I'm of people not, being I'm no longer there to save people. You're right. Oh, you did save someone right. once. I think we are worried glad, about that. Glad you brought it up. <laughs> but there is so many people, but not just people like I guess getting in trouble in the water, but in boats. I, I boats float and they're really hard to sink. Like they're it's not easy to flip a boat. And the amount of boats that I'm seeing go over. Like we're not talking 150 boats a day, but like there's enough. Been, enough. There's nearly one a day that's going over. In Port Phillip Bay, Western Port, along the coast of Australia. And that, that comes to what we're keen to chat about this morning. When you are launching in and around or travelling through swell, approach of swell yep. and how to do it safely. Because this is something that um, both you and I, but particularly you have a huge amount of experience with, particularly the bar, not the bar, the entrance to Port Phillip Bay. Yep. And, and it's not as simple as... I'm going to go straight through the middle because that's so far from danger. Where's my danger? It's the rocks on either side and it must be safe yeah. through the middle. And, and naturally, mindset, it is the safe, looks like the safest spot, deepest water, etc. But don't do what a gentleman did. And I sent you a screenshot of this during the week. Coast Guard Queensliff put it up. A gentleman with a Yamaha engine, I think it was on a, on a Haynes Hunter boat, took the rocks a bit too close and actually snapped half of his engine off. Yep. So that's another incident on the water that could have been deadly as well. Is it that, what's that philosophy of the, the closer you are to danger, the further you are from harm? Well, not if you hit a rock and you just destroy half. He literally hit an opinion. Like it's, I don't know how he's managed to do oh, I actually don't know how he's managed to do that, to hit that part of it. But when you're travelling through, you need to make sure if you, the biggest thing is... Being comfortable. It's about understanding your experience with the conditions. Just because Bob and Barry are going out, it doesn't mean that you have to go out. And I, be honest with you, I go out of there lots of times. A huge amount of times. And I got caught out. I tried to push my limit a little bit too much one day, and I'm the first to admit it. And that's with a huge catalogue of experience. Yeah, and it still tried to get me. And that was a pretty nasty day. And when I say should have been going through it, yeah, maybe, but I should have done things a little bit different. But the point is... The point you is, can come unstuck. anyone can come unstuck, even those with the most experience. Uh, so make sure that on its day, it's up to your experience with what the conditions are. Then not only that, you need to approach it with care. So you want to keep your engine, if you've got a, you want to basically keep your engine trimmed in as much as possible so you can push yourself up either way. Now, this is just a generic, it's hard to explain on radio sitting here with so many different conditions here, Pat. But we're keen, but, to, talk, we're keen to talk about, you know. The average. And, and. Watch your speed, yep. and those sorts yep. of things. Position of your boat, you know how hard you hit waves, because it isn't putt putt, but it's not forty knots either. Exactly. So you want to be approaching the waves, but as you approach the wave, you're sort of falling out of gear a little bit, and then as you as you you want to push up them, but then back your revs off so you fall back down the wave. But so how to explain it is, you want to have your nose up. You want to get your nose up, especially crossing a place like the Rip or the Barwon River, you want to keep your nose up. You don't want to cop a wave over the front that will flood your boat. That's the worst case scenario. Or when you're coming back in, 
this that was going out. When you're coming back in, you want to position yourself so you're actually on the back of a wave. You don't want to position yourself in front of a wave. You don't want to surf down the face of it, do you? Do not ride down the front of it. Do not go for a surf. It's when you will not Stick have control. Stick to a board. <laughs> yes, exactly. You will not have control of your vessel if you go down a wave that's big enough. It'll basically push down the back of you and it'll throw you left or right and it will flip you in seconds yep. once you roll up this top of it. So make sure you sit on the back of that. Just follow the wave in. Have your nose literally resting pretty much on the back of that wave and just follow it in. And as it folds down and starts to pan out, then you can push past it or through it into the entrance that you're going. So it's about keeping your nose up, following the wave on the way back in. And on the way out, make sure you've got your nose up. And when you're going through the waves, make sure you approach them. Don't go fast. Don't go 40, 40 50 kilometers an hour and just smash into it. As the wave's coming, push your nose up, knock it out of gear, let your boat fall, vice versa, keep doing it if you find yourself approaching waves in a, in a bar-like condition. So you've always had to do it when it's growing up where, where you yeah. launch, you're in a beach launch, and you've been doing it in tinnies your whole life with your old man. Yeah, and I think when you're coming in, like, well, you can pick the last wave of the set. Yeah, yeah. There's you know, so, so you don't have a lot coming in behind you. you. And that's as easy as just literally counting a few waves yeah. because five to seven waves – is pretty much the average we have in sets on the beaches. And as a surfer, I surfed my whole life up until the last handful of years. And you basically, all right, there's a set coming. You know when's the set coming. You know you're going to have five, six, seven waves. And that's basically along the coast. So count the waves. Get your, There'll be the odd waves in between, especially on a big ground swell. But you're not, you shouldn't be out there you know, on those days anyway. So pick your waves, pick your gap, and you'll have no dramas getting through. Mercury uh, have announced the release of their new electric engine, the Avatar 7.5e. Now, this is the equivalent uh, Redmond of a three and a half horsepower outboard. And it's a really interesting uh, discussion around the technology and where it's going. And Robin Singer, uh, Mercury's US-based outboard product manager, talks around the development of these electric outboards and how we're a while or a long way off uh, any sort of removal of, you know, fossil fuel-powered outboards at the high-end range. And he talks about, uh, in a boat sales article, I'm not sure where the, the boys have lifted um, the actual content from, but it's a really interesting discussion around how we're just not ready to have mm. 800 plus volts going through the water around our boat just yet. But at the bottom end of you know 50 to 60 horsepower and below, this is where they're going. They're cartridge-based batteries, lightweight, which means you know similar to the our robies that we love. <laughs> you know the batteries in there, you take it out, you replace one, so you can. That is still a, that, is, that is still a pitch if anyone does work at Ryobi. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> There's no one that's more uh, loyal than what you and I are. Do we have okay. any clue how to use it? It's varied. Varied. I um, can use I'm, getting, that. I'm getting better. <laughs> but Merck's new release is a really interesting one. Yep. Less than 20 uh, kilos itself, the, the battery. No, the actual motor is oh, less motor, than 20. Yeah, and then 26 kilo extra with the batteries. Yep. And at... So that 7.5 is tiller steered. You can change the tiller from one side to the other. And it's also digital shift. You can put it into a centre console, for instance, and run it that way as well. It's a, re it's a really interesting one, but we were discussing off-air how it's not the answer to big horsepower quite clearly. Oh, we, you and we you were don't talking, need to convince me with anything electric. But we were talking about. hydrogen, really. If, 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 yeah, if hydrogen, you're going to talk, yep. talk you know, fuels into the future, 
Like we're not the car industry. Cars, so. cars can't. Cars can't get it right, and there's I believe there's a safety barrier around cars. You can't really get into trouble in a car. In a boat with electric, it needs to be perfect. Yep. Like, yep. you can't, at the minute, you can't even buy a car that can tow a caravan more than 100 kilometres, Pat. Ele- electric. Well, you can, but not in Australia. You're not in Australia. And can you? Outside of Australia? Outside of Australia, Electric-wise? Yeah. Okay, yeah. The um, Ford's... Um, one the new light version, the light. Yeah, the, yeah, I think that, but they were only hundred. I think with a standard caravan, they were only about one hundred and twenty-five kilometers in total. I think from memory. You sure, they weren't taking miles. This is miles now. Miles. Oh, oh, we'll have to check that. But I just, but you think about that though. You're going to go say, for instance, tuna fishing tomorrow. You and I are going to go chase a tuna. Are they going to have to? They're going to have to somehow implement, I guess, an alternator s- system into it to somehow have it charging the whole time while you're out there to get the kilometers because. You don't want to be out chasing tuna and then all of a sudden I'm out of power. Yeah. Like, it, and to get the distance, because you've got to remember, a car only revs roughly, give or take, at probably what? Would you say a standard through gears, 1,800 to 2,000 on average? A boat is revving at 4,500 on average. That. Exactly. Yeah. That's yep. what I mean. So yep. I just can't see where these engines are going to fit into play with anything bigger than these small horsepowered engines that we it's just spoke per- about. It's perfect for small horsepower, particularly like for those well, travelling around Australia. Oh yeah. The last yep. thing you want inside the back of your car is fuel. Is fuel mm-hmm. and an outboard that runs smelly and then you you know, particularly an open cab, um, like any sort of, you know, Land Cruiser or Everest or whatever they might be. Um the beauty of electric is you put it in, they don't smell. And that's where electric motors have been game changers just in general. So you what your Min Coders and your Garmin Forces and all those likes. Brilliant. They've been around for a long time now. I would love to see the difference in the power in one of those, for instance. It would go just motor guide, for instance. Yeah, yep. Into a, to compare to this Mercury 7.5. Because what are you paying for? Do you know what you're paying for these, Mercury? That's uh, US listed, I think it was two eight. It was thirteen hundred for say a three and a half horsepower. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon I read to, that to two eight. Yeah, that's a lot. It's more than double. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, but yeah. I suppose the beauty of just being able to charge it up, perhaps, is that easier than going to get fuel. Well, you will save money, but the thing is, they're not going to use much fuel either. No, they're not. They're like they liters, like two or three, four or five liters in a yep. day. Like it, especially trawling around in yeah. creeks and river systems, etc. Seven. Horsepower isn't a very big engine. No, exactly. So, hey, we've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way after the break. Redmond is taking us right around the country to find out what's biting in your backyard. You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer, and gear all in one policy. Clubmarine.com.au. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get peace of mind with Club Marine Boat Insurance. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for the whip around. We're going to find out what's biting right around the country and in your backyard. New South Wales kicks us off, Redmond. Your side of the boat is looking dangerous, Patrick. Your <laughs> oh, side no. of the boat. A couple more marks because no. Sydney to Jarvis Bay, the marlin have finally turned up. The billfish. 14, 15, 16 fish a day, some boats. You know, there's a... And it's there's pushing a, south. There was a social media post during the week of a, a black marlin's bill that went through the transom of a game boat. Yep. Dead set. And that's why I'm taking your boat. Oh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's looking so good. For those unaware, every... 
February, you take a few of the boys up. Yep. Still haven't got End the invite. I, I, I provide the boat, but I don't get the invite. Uh, up to <laughs> staying that way too. <laughs> <laughs> up to Burmy for for a week, and you yep. chase. It's sort of your holiday of fishing because yeah. fishing for you is work. Yep. But this is your fishing and holiday. the and the boys too. They they love. They love it. We've been doing it for since we were young kids. We started off in like a little 15, 16 or 17-foot Belmont, Caribbean Belmont. Is that the first boat you took up? first there? boat we took up was in a Belmont, no clears, nothing like that. And we did what, that. What was on the back of it? 115 Evernerd E-Tech, the black one. Yep. And then yep. we moved into... At least you had a decent enough outboard. Like, that's not like a... Yeah, no, know, it's not we like any dramas. It helps when your best mate who owns the boat's a mechanic too. But so if something does go wrong, then... On the spot, you fix. can fix it, Gizzy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then we moved into a Haynes Breeze, which Daniel then refurbished and put a Yamaha 150 on it. Yep. And then we moved. So in. they're going up in size. Yeah, we went then. up in sizes. Wow. And then, so this is like a few years in that, then a few years in that. Then we moved to the Eden Craft I had, and then moved into six a, meter Eden yep, Craft, into yep. the Staby Craft, and then moved into my six meter North Bank. And then you got your 750 last year, and then we've upgraded to the $400,000 <laughs> beautiful 750 North Bank. And that'll be staying around for a bit. The only one to beat it is the new rib that you buy for me soon. So it's, uh, it's, it's, we've moved up over the years, but we've been doing it for a long time. And I know we've probably dragged on a bit here, but it's a great, it's say, a great trip with mates. You've moved up and we've moved off topic. Well, Marlin are going good. They're pushing south. The current is looking good. Rip charts and better water off Naruma. A few fish being sighted. So southeast coast is looking good. And if you are in that city to Java space, region make sure you do get amongst that bite it's going as good as it gets uh colonel the snapper morwong flathead your bottom fishing on the reefs is being terrific uh just drifting baits just drifting around off the reefs on the edge of them and then working back up where you hit the best patches working well too uh heading further north queensland fishing off keppel there have been some huge spanish mackerel being caught uh with divers working Really well, Redmond. There's actually been some. There's been some good social posts during the week as well of some flying uh, Spanish mackerel. I don't think that's exactly a species, but they do uh, they aerate jump. themselves <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just a little. Jesus. Uh, Hitching Brook, one of your fl- favourite yeah, places. Love Hitchinbrook. Uh, you don't really know where to start here and report side of things, but the redfish. We'll go with the trout, red emperor first. They're they're red hot, and then of course your trevallies and everything that pulls hard. They're not far behind it either. And that's about the 1% of the fish that I could name that you catch there, Patrick, because it's just a place to be. Heading over to the far west. Yes, Jazz Charters. Now, we, we love following Jazz we Charters. Uh, out of Frio, still nailing Big Snapper and Jew Fish, with the Kings turning up as well on most trips. So, obviously, depending on... It's been going on, for so long for him. Yeah, I'm like, going so long. Like, it's... He has some... I don't know what he's doing. He's, like, just consistent fishing. It's unbelievable. Our, our great mate, Bomber Farrell, he's also, he's uh, moved up to, to Exmouth, so we've got a bit of, um, I've got a man on the ground there, he's been doing a bit of fishing this week, not really a report for us, Redman, but he's been out there, uh, and Marin season is open. As of Redman. the night. So let's, let's talk through this, what this means. So Marin, for those playing at home, is a freshwater cray, it's not a species of fish, and it's not a silverfish, which is what we were talking about. Uh, about last week. Yeah, so this opened on Sunday the 8th of January, so last week, Patrick. And basically they've stocked a heap of a heap of dams as well. So Lowbrook Dam and the Warren Dam, and that's all come from funding from recreational fishing. Uh, the COVID response project, project, as they like to call it. So 100,000 juvenile marin have been put in, which is great to see. You do need to get a licence, 
around $50 through the Department of Transport website, which covers the whole length of the season. So get amongst those freshwater craze. South Australia tuna, as they migrate down the coast in huge numbers, uh, there's been massive schools of bronze whalers amongst other species of sharks. So there's hundreds of bronze whalers, but there's also a couple of big girls in there as well. I hope they turn up here. Do you know why? Big whites? Because you you just just want to see one? No, just... Well, it might just make the Spiros leave quicker. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very, very true. Uh, So they're outnumbering the tuna. In fact, there's been anglers that have... have, um, well, they've gotten it wrong. They've gone out thinking yeah, there's a massive school of tuna, and it's literally Bronzies. hundreds of hundreds of bronze whalers. Yeah, a few makos getting caught right around the state too, like in ta- uh, sorry around the country as well, following these tuna. So you South Australia right into Vic. So everything eats tuna because they're just so yep. like just they're really bloody oily, and they're so good to eat. They just literally the most we, nutritious we like them, fish for and a they shark. Like them. Well, I don't, but you do. <laughs> Point Lowly is having a great run of kingfish as well with live baits working the best as usual on the bigger fish. Uh, Heading further south, Tassie, there's been some big school sharks being caught, Redmond. Yeah, they are in Shoten and uh, basically the moon's gone past and... What do you mean by that? So tides kick in, everything just gets So better. moon phase. Yeah, the moon, the full moon's gone. Yep. And it just fishes really well on the backside of it. Everywhere's getting gummies on the back of it. Up to 30 kilo, fresh salmon working really, really good too. Uh, Georgetown Wharf, great place to take the kids for Trevally right now with plenty uh, of fish on offer. A bit of a light burly trail, a bit of chicken on the hook and you'll get a few. And It's got to be KFC. Victoria, Vic, let's talk Victoria, Port Phillip Bay, Western Port. Yep. Uh, your report for the week. Snapper slowed up in Port Phillip a fair bit. Still there if you want to put the time, a little bit more timing. You'll get them, but they're not what they were. Tide dependent? When are you, when I'd are you... just be going, yeah, late arvos. I don't yep. like getting up early in the morning. Late arvos and fishing tide changes if possible during the day. Uh, squid, calamari? Yeah, calamari would be a great bait. Fishing a bit deeper. You want to get that sort of 18 to 22 metres now because of the warm water. It's probably 20 degrees in the bay right now, so they've really heated up. Uh, squid, good numbers, bottom end of the bay and right through the bay and whiting, fishing good in both bay. Western Port is full on right now for whiting. You're basically going in and they're jumping in your scaler bag before you have to do anything. That's how good it's fishing. One of the things that we forget around this time of the year amongst the plethora on offer is gummy sharks. Yeah, it's good as it gets. Yeah, yep. so it's still a really good time to fish for oh, gummy I, sharks. Th- that's the thing. Like We go through winter and it's so tough. Like You get gummies and whiting and a few squid where now you've got the tuna, you've got kingfish, you've got makos. The list goes on and you try and sit here to report it all and it gets a bit hard at times. Like The tuna out the front of the heads are there. Down off Kilcunda, right down to the west off Gippsland. Like All that sort of way is fishing good. You've got White Rock and all that down at Gippsland. Also Port Welshpool fishing kingfish well there. Malakuta's got king showing up like I could sit here and report like it's just really good fishing then you got salty dog charters out of Port Ferry during the week I think he was bagged by 10am and then landed 27 or 28 gummies in his 5 or 6 hour charter like that's as good as it gets so, and probably six saw 16 great whites as well along his way and Portland the tuna and kings have rocked up there so fishing's red hot right around the country at the moment Pat and obviously if you want a greater report than that uh, you can head to saltguide.com.au that is the whip around you're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear. All in one policy, clubmarine.com.au. You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get peace of mind with Club Marine Boat Insurance. 
It's now time for All Aboard for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy. Clubmarine.com.au. Our special guest this morning, we're heading heading south, Red. Oh, it's a bit scary. Ethan and Bryce Purton from Tassie. Boys, thanks for joining us this morning. G'day, boys. How you going? I've been following these boys for a while, Patrick. Yes, and anyone that uh, wants to follow the boys, seismic underscore fishing on socials. It's um, it's a pretty average fishing page, I think you'd say. <laughs> boys, the diversity in the fishing that you do is quite extraordinary. Tell us a little bit about your fishing history, how you got into it, because the captures, it's bloody incredible, boys. Yeah, so we both started fishing when we was at a very young age. Um, our pop. He, he got us into it as long as our, our father as well. Um, they're both very keen fishermen and we, we started at a young age and, and haven't stopped. We love it. Uh, we started trout fishing and we've just keep, kept progressing from there. Are we talking spinning? Are we talking fly? Obviously, you're driving a Range Rover if it's fly fishing. they got Ray-Bans too. <laughs> Ray-Bans as well, Patrick. Nice set of Ray-Bans too. <laughs> no, nah, we love our soft plastic fishing. Pretty much, yeah, all soft plastics, hard body lures. That's uh, pretty much all we do. We used to for trout. When we first started when we were kids, it was always stuck in the worm back them days, but <laughs> she's developed a bit since then. Now, obviously, if you love fishing, boating is a big part of that. You run both a 24 and a 1450 Staby craft. Tell us about your boating journey and what you've had throughout your, your time growing up because no doubt it's changed over time. Yeah, so when we were kids, we had a little 12-foot dinghy kind of thing, just fishing the rivers and the estuaries and the lakes and... Uh, and then our, our father bought a 659 Stabycraft when we was in primary school. and uh, We had a couple of Stabycrafts after that. Um, we, we grew a bit of a love for them. Um, the dealer sells a lot of Stabycrafts lo- locally in Tassie, so, and they're a good good vessel and um, we've been using them for a long time. So we had the 659 and then we went to a 2250 and then now myself and Bryce have Got a 2400 Stabycraft, which we use for our game fishing. And the 1450 we use just for the estuaries and the lakes and a little bit of diving out of as well. So we cover all bases with them two boats. Now, you boys live on the northwest coast of Tassie, but you've also got a holiday house on the east side in St. Helens. And everyone knows St. Helens, very reputable place for big game fish, whether it's the barrels and, of course, the swordfish. You boys love getting a swordfish? Yeah, that's our favourite fish to... Yeah, so we we love chasing them. Just coming into that time of the year now, where we we start thinking about dropping baits down and yeah, planning trips away because they've actually been seen down here the last well, the last couple of months, and um, there's been a few seen free jumping and just laying back on the surface. So I reckon yeah, we'll be getting in them pretty soon. So tell us about that because sword fishing it's one of those fish. I'm sure it's on every you know anyone that knows anything about fishing, it's on your bucket list. But it is one of those. So there's a mystique around swordfish. You guy getting into it, how did it start and how long did it take before you felt like you had some idea around, yep, if we go around this time using this bait with this technique, we'll give ourselves a good shot because it's not just like going down and catching brim offshore, uh, off, off the banks, like there's a bit to it. Yeah, so there was a, um, a guy locally by the name of Leo Miller, a fair few years ago, he started doing it and he got one. And then all, our, all the crews down here sort of just started doing it and copying the way he done it. And I reckon it took 12 months for us to craft a technique what we was happy with. 
and they were successful and we finally got one and since then we've, we've gone a bit further with it and tried different things but it's not something that was easy to do to start with but it took a while to get that confidence that's for sure it took a few years to be fully confident but now we sort of you get out there and you, you sort of expect to bite don't you every yeah. drop <laughs> what, what's the and balance between obviously you you want to try new techniques but once you find something that works you're not to change yeah <laughs> you're not sacrificing a day's fishing but it's a big decision to go all right we're actually going to do it totally different today just to see if this if this works and if it doesn't well you know that's fishing yeah well, that's pretty what we had to do because we we was hooking a lot of fish using techniques which other people use and then was losing a lot of fish as well so we changed changed that hooks up a little bit to what a lot of people use um, and we've been more successful in the last few years we've, we don't really lose any fish anymore with what what we're doing which has been good so you boys obviously like your fishing as we can tell so watch it on yep. social media you got some great stuff but you do need to pay for the fishing how do you guys manage to make your quid during the week how does it work we go down to the uh down towards the west coast an hour and a half from where we live in Alveston, and there's a mine in a little town called rosebury yep. and uh, yeah we work underground there for a company called mmg ethan and i have both been working there for ultimately past 10 years and um yeah, we're underground miners, so um, yeah, Ethan's on a jumbo drill rig, and um, I'm a shot fire, so I blow everything up, and he drills out the holes. <laughs> work hard, play hard, doesn't it? <laughs> That's yeah. what I was just about to say. So you guys obviously work a period of time on, period of time off, and does it give you time off? Fishing, you need to spend time doing, and do you, you obviously get a bit of time, I guess, to spend time on the water rather than one day here, one day there. You actually get a bit of time to do it? Yeah, that's right. So we... We work six months of the year, week on, week off, so we get plenty of time off, which is good, and plenty of holidays as well. So the March, April period, we utilise our annual leave and take six weeks off around that time and get right into the sword. So we've got plenty of time off, so we don't miss out on much. Well, we are in the depths of January now, Patrick. I know it's pretty scary, but... We're not in the depths of January. Well, we're, we're right in the, the middle. We're nearly in the middle. We're nearly in the middle. It's close enough. We're in the <laughs> middle of January. What are, we, what are we expecting, Tassie, now? What are you boys going to actually be doing? So you've, you've got the weather warming up. You've got the swords coming, obviously. The barrels will be at some point. Take us through what you guys will be doing over the next, say, two to three months. Uh, it's the next two to three months, we'll be chasing uh, blue archibala, stripy trumpeter, um, bluefin tuna, um, we'll be getting into the swords pretty hard. Uh, this morning we've just been gearing up. We're going to go out to Sabo and see if we can get a couple of kingfish locally. Uh, there's been a few about, so we're going to get into a few of them. Um, and we'll still do the odd dive as well. We'll get a few craves for the family. Is there, like, obviously the diversity in Tassie is, is incredible. We know that. If you could name your favourite three places to fish, obviously it's close to home because home's where the heart is and you know it and fish it well, but... Is there anywhere that, that people really don't know that's sort of undiscovered in a sense? And, and that's almost, it's the cardinal sin to sort of, you know, talk about the places that you're trying to protect and, and keep quiet. But, you know, you hear people talk about, yep, I'm, I've got saved up my cash and we go do a charter in, you know, Queensland or Western yeah. Australia, somewhere where it's warm. But Tassie in that sense is really quite hidden as a game fishing mecca. That's because there's that many waves there. You've got to dodge them, <laughs> 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 yeah, we do get some pretty ordinary weather every now and then. <laughs> First one I'd probably suggest would be Strawn. The local guys know a bit about Strawn, but has a broad range, 
across the country, people don't really hear about Strawn. It's on the west coast of Tasmania. It's a remote little village sort of thing on the water, and it gets a lot of rough weather down there, like it gets hammered. We get the odd good day down there, so we went down there last weekend. It was a pretty good forecast. They've got bulls chasing swordfish down there because there was a couple seen on the surface of sunbaking in the days leading up to going down there, but we never we never got one, but we caught some blue trevella down there. We caught some tuna, caught a mako, caught some crayfish, gemfish. Like there's, there's a lot of fish down there and not, not really many people target them, to be honest. Like we were probably the one of the only boats to go game fishing out of there. So that's pretty undiscovered at the moment. Is that is that an island, Strawn? I think I was looking at it the other day. Is that sort of on the north um, east coast? Or I think, what's the, is there near Flinders, is it? Island? No, no. So Strawn's on the on the west coast. It's a, yeah. Um, you, you don't know what one. Probably the if you've you got Flinders, you've got Cape Barron over the, on the islands over east. Yeah. Okay. Yep. There's one I think a bit closer to us, and I'm thinking it has a little shack on it. But I think it might actually be a bit close. It's in Tassie waters, but it might be a bit closer to us. Might be Deal Island. Possibly. I'll have a. I'll You're start, not exactly I'll, a Tasmanian. I'll, I'm actually though. just. I was actually talking about it last night to a friend. We we're actually doing what we do, and I'm tipping these boys too. Jumping on the maps and having a look at look around, and it was. Uh, Oh, Hogan Island was the one that I was looking at. It was nothing to do yeah. with Strawn Island. <laughs> I was sort of close, but it does look like a, the whole that whole area. You've got King Island, obviously, where I'm planning to go soon. Where I have to give these boys a call to get the info. Do you do any time at King Island? No, we haven't. But we've been talking to a few guys about getting a few boats and going over and need a good forecast. Yep. So. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. Hopefully soon, Patrick. I'll probably take your boat too because it's bigger. <laughs> hey, boys, we really appreciate your time. Uh, on Real Adventures this morning and talking through your fishing stories and obviously uh, Tasmania and what it has to offer as an incredibly diverse uh, fishing state. Thanks for your time on Real Adventures this morning, boys. No worries at all, mate. Thanks, Thanks for us. Thank you. Ethan and Bryce Purton from Seismic Fishing. Give them a follow. It is an incredible page full of incredible species. That was all aboard for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy clubmarine.com.au. It is now time for Red's Review, our product review of the week. But it's a little bit different this week. It is Red's Kitchen. And and having just sampled uh, it last night, I was mightily impressed with some of your culinary skills. I do love my cooking. It is one of my favourite things to do. Believe it or not. you love your crayfish. I do love catching my crayfish. And I uh, treated you to a little... Crayfish slider. A little bit of leftover crayfish, Patrick. Mate, I bloody loved it. Do I have to tell him what I did? Yep, go through it. Got you need a crayfish to start. And that crayfish that you ate, I'm going to send you an invoice because it's probably <laughs> 17 to maybe even 70 bucks actually a slider. So that was about a four and a half kilo cray, that one, Patrick. So I think they're about $130 around Christmas time. So you do the maths. But if you can find <laughs> yourself a crayfish yep. and you go down, go for a Washed dive. up on the beach. <laughs> Washed up on the beach, but you've got your cray. Then setting it up for a, uh, a crayfish so slider. What we did with yours was the one that we ate and it tasted, tasted brilliant. We actually cooked it on the night we got the craze. So we cut it in half down the middle yep. and I made up a butter, parsley, chives, garlic, a bit of salt and pepper, a bit of sauce. And then I don't, a lot of people put the cray down on the barbie on the flesh side and try and get that crusty look on the outside of it. Like, yep. We actually don't do that anymore. We did used to. So what we do is we actually put it shell down and we sort of oven cook it. So shell down and then we drizzle the butter on the top of it and soak it through and just keep adding for about 20 minutes on the crayfish. But we never actually put the flesh on the barbie to keep it clean. This is this is on the barbie? On the barbie. And it's on a flat pan, not on the, yeah. like the grill? Oh, we, 
I so the secret that I have is on the grill. What I do, this is the biggest secret to getting craze cooked really good when you're doing them on the barbie. Is don't leave the legs attached to the main crate because what happens is when you cook the cray on the barbie with the legs attached, the time that it takes to cook through the actual tail of the cray, it takes longer, much longer than the legs. And if you cook the legs on the, it'll just they'll literally just come out and basically disintegrate. Yeah. So what I do is I boil the kettle. I get a tray, a silver tray, aluminium tray from Woolworths. Wherever, yep. Chuck it in the pan. Chuck it in the oven. Uh, sorry, on the barbie next to where you're cooking the actual lobster tail in itself, and shut the lid and let that boil to the side with a bit of salt in the water, and that they come out beautiful, soft, and just the, t- the legs are the best bit. Now, what we did with your cray was we ate that with the garlic butter, etc. We had it that night, Kari, myself and Finn, and obviously it was a four and a half kilo cray because we couldn't finish it. So we made a couple of meals out of it and we made the sliders. And we bought the brioche rolls from the from Woolworths and we just... Very good, the brioche rolls. They were game changers with a bit very, of bacon and egg good. too with a bit yep. of cheese. And what we did was... Popular now, like you go to any sort of um, you know shopping centre, not shopping centre... Um, Cafe, restaurant. No, grocer sort of. You, know, you can actually buy them on the shelves now, which is good. Yeah, well, I got them from Woolworths, yeah. literally. And what we did was pop the leftover cray that had been cooked in all that stuff I spoke about in the bowl. Bit of Worcestershire, bit of Tabasco, love a bit of kick in it. Not too much, just a little bit. Uh, bit of tomato sauce and mayo. Mixed it around, bit of salt and pepper on top and then kept it simple. Just a little bit of lettuce on top of it in the brioche roll and they were absolutely beautiful. They were good. Red's Kitchen. That is our Red's review for this week. You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Uh, get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear. All in one policy. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get peace of mind with Club Marine Boat Insurance. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is time for Red's Tip and there's plenty of times we see this at the boat ramp all the time. I'm looking at you, Redmond. Mm. Uh, but control over your boat, lifting up your engine too high. Uh, the tip this week centers around keeping your engine down, Redmond. It just blows my mind away of how many people don't do this. Like I know it's easy to forget at times, but you you've got to be mindful of the depth of water you're in. I get that. Yep. You sit on the trailer. You got your engine in the water. Yep. And you got it down because of the angle the boat's sitting. Naturally, your engine's down, but you're not hitting the bottom. That's no. how you put it. And the As way you, that most ramps, most, not all, the ramp doesn't end once it hits the water. They continue on that same down. angle right down. So yep. they are protecting the bottom of your uh, engine oh. and hull. Yeah. So as you fall off the trailer, what happens is your boat then sits flat. But the problem is your engine is still trimmed the way that it was on the trailer as you're coming down. Because if you trimmed it all the way down on the angle, it would hit the bottom. So you've got it... As you fall it's sitting off high the now. trailer, please, please just trim your engine back down to, say, 30%, 50%. You most Be smart where you are, look in the water and see how deep it is. It's not hard to do. But don't have it so your prop's sitting out of the water. The amount of times I'm seeing Or sitting people, just off the surface because you want grip on the water. We, were at, we were at Pope's Eye the other day and I took the family out. It was a beautiful day. Was, I think it was two weeks ago. And it was 30, I think, 7 degrees that day, Pat, and there was... Probably oh, 20 boats in at Pope's Eye, no exaggeration. And this boat went in to try and get a spot. And I'm just behind it watching it. And he's gone in and he's trimmed his engine up thinking it's shallow. All he, what he did was he trimmed it out so his propeller was basically out of the water. There was no grab on the yeah. water to have any control. And he's driving in. There's people swimming and everything. This guy, but he realised that he couldn't. So when he went to reverse it, 
He had nothing. The engine's coming up out of the water, basically. And he just crashed straight into the side of a boat. Straight into the side of it. And they're pushing it. Lucky enough, they're all pushing it off. They're going slow. But you've got no control when your engine is not in the water. <laughs> you don't. It's like having no steering wheel on a car. You can't turn. So put your engine down at boat ramps, etc. It will help you out 10 times when you're trying to park that boat on the pier and you won't look like that guy that everyone talks about <laughs> if you do put your engine in the water to help steer and push yourself around. That is Red Sip. Now, the flying gaff this week. You, you've, Can I steal you, it, you've, please? You've stolen everything this week, but it centres around, well, let's be frank, morons driving around divers, and it's a bit of a rehasher around the legal requirements around divers, Redmond. I put a video up on my socials during the week of this guy. You were not happy. No, Daniel was in the water and I was on the boat, and we had... He was down, and our hose reel is about, I think it's 70 metres, but then you've got the T-piece. So say, I think it's about 12 metres out T-piece, down. So he's 30 metres out and down. I've got the biggest flag in the world, you can see. It's massive. It's on my hooker, on the dive hooker uh, exhaust, I guess you could say, and we've got it. Did you take it off the west gate? It is a big flag. It is literally massive. Like, it's not, you can see this thing a mile away. And (laughs) we've had it for years, and it goes up in the rocket launchers and straight up. This bloke comes around us, and he's probably... From where I am, Daniel's probably 30 metres from me, and he has literally missed him by no more than probably 10, maximum 15 metres. Just straight, and Daniel... And he wasn't doing five knots, mate. He was going as fast as his boat could physically go. If he had to hit the hooker line, things are going to go bad, etc. If you see a dive flag, avoid it. The regulation's 100 metres is five knots. It's not hard to do. There's a lot of people diving and spearing these days. So out in the water. So just slow down, please, because I guarantee if it was you in my position, you'd have the shits too. You'd crack it too because people will literally die from this. It's going to happen. I'm waiting for it to see it on the news and I hope it's nothing to do with any of me or my friends or anyone to tell you the truth. But unfortunately, something's going to happen soon, uh, sooner than later because people just do not give a crap anymore for some reason and they just fly around. We weren't anywhere where there, there was a few boats trawling for a couple of kingfish, but just slowly... And this bloke decided just to come super close to us. So at, I reckon he was going 40-plus knots. And I'm, the video shows it all. So just be smart on the water. There's divers in there. You're going to have a guilty conscience. i tell you what, if you hit one and he dies. Wow, that's a big gaff. Well, it just scares you a bit when you mate. And it's funny when Gibbsy gets up to the boat and goes, you, did you drive on the top of me? I said, <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, oh, did you pull the anchor up and float over the top of me? He goes, you thought you, I thought you were revving the engine for a bit. I said, no, mate. A boat went over the top of you, flat stick. And he goes, oh, yeah, I heard that. Like, because it is, a, it is quite easy to hear the boats on the water, but they shouldn't be able to be that close. No, correct. Hey, thanks for your company this morning on Real Adventures. Uh, all four Club Marine get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat motor, trailer and gear, all in one policy, clubmarine.com.au.